Caleb Slaughter is a Clarksville firefighter and youth baseball coach. He chats with Charlie and Katie about growing up playing baseball from Little League to the minor leagues, including his time with Clarksville's former minor league team, the Coyotes. Caleb also shares his thoughts on what kids can do to improve their skills, what parents can do to help their children become better ball players, and what Clarksville Montgomery County can do to better support youth sports. All on this episode of Clarksville's Conversation. You said you and Charlie go way back, right? Yes, ma'am. Have you ever known him without a mustache? <sighs> I don't think so. I mean, he nope. had one early. Yeah, so early that and everybody who's heard this probably is getting tired of hearing it. Like when a little boy starts going through puberty and gets a mustache, he's never, ever shaved it. Like from that far back. So in honor of that mustache, Charlie must ask you a question that has absolutely nothing to do with anything. It has nothing to do. You're, you're correct. But, and I just thought of this question uh, because Caleb is, a, is a, a fireman and he has recently had some vacation time with his boys <laughs> and, and they've been gone. And in some uh, uh, countries, they call vacation holiday. Yeah, right? Yeah. So they have holiday time. So just randomly, I thought if Caleb were to have a holiday named after him, what would that holiday be called? Because he's had so much time off from the fire department. Like holiday as a vacation or holiday Yeah, like Christmas? you have Christmas, you have Easter. So what would a holiday be called if it was named after oh, Caleb? that's a hard one. Well, it's a slaughter day. See Slaughter Day. Oh, it, would that kind of like be a Halloweenish? It'd be, it would be. It would be a day, and this will kind of go off to towards the coaching. Um, I'm known at the local high school I work with. I scare everybody. Like I'll show up like in April with yeah. a Halloween mask, and I'll scare the coaches. See, that so, wasn't a hard question at all. That's awesome. Last and actually, last two or three weeks after Halloween last fall, our um, softball coach at Rossview, and. Um, she talked me into bringing a Halloween outfit, like sneaking up on her porch and scaring her husband. And I did it. And we almost got in a fight. About did he almost punch you out? Yep. Because he scared him? Yep. That's awesome. So it could be Slaughter Day or something. Is it that uh, Penny yes, ma'am. Clown? Pennywise. Pennywise. That's yeah, right. I, don't, I don't like that. I had the, uh, Brandy bought the, uh, well, she, she ended up paying for it, but I found it. I mean, head to toe. The shoes, the outfit, the mask, and the gloves. Yep. I had that little, little balloon and everything. Well, if you ever do that to my daughter, she's going to punch you. Yeah, but she's she going to straight up punch you. She may not punch as hard as this guy was. No, but him. she doesn't like clowns. So, I mean, that he was. Swung out, he swung two or three times so hard, I had to hug him to get close enough that he wouldn't hit me. It was that bad. Did like, you take, did you, were you, did you take the mask no, off when you're hugging no, him? No, when I, well, when I was hugging him, I started to, but I was telling him who I was on that so he would ease up. I mean, it, it was a legitimate swing. Did his wife video it? <coughs> no, because she was running. She ran through the back of the house laughing. Oh, that's awesome. It no. was it was a very good moment. And then the other day, they dropped me off after a game, and Keegan, my youngest, he had it sitting on the porch just holding it. Oh, no. So, Slaughter Day maybe, or however you can... We need, like, when the boys have a sleepover, do that. Scare them to death. Although... We, there was one on Facebook a long time ago of somebody, one of yours, some, one of your friends were hiding in the closet. Oh, really? I mean, this is when Aiden and them were super young. Oh, okay. You were at a, at a get-together, and so he jumped out of the closet. I do remember that. That's been a while, though. That's been a while, though. Well, Noah, Aiden would be okay with it. Noah would probably never go into that room again. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> he would be scared. Let me tell you what's really cool about you two. You guys have got a great relationship with your boys in baseball. Well, our youngest boys are best friends. 
Yeah. Katie and Ano are best friends. Best friends. But but what I find fascinating, I know we'll we'll go around with with Caleb here, but his passion for kids mm-hmm. and baseball and sports in general. I met I met Caleb when I would consider him a kid, and I wasn't. I was a little older than a kid, but uh, you were kiddish. Yeah, I, I was in college, but. Um, you were a kid, but but I, I find it fascinating what you do with with kids and baseball on different levels. So I really want to know why 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 do you do that? Where's that passion come from to to nurture and coach these kids? <clears throat> I don't know if it's anything that um, I mean I don't in you know when you get up in the morning your feet hit the floor. It's not something I my intent is to do this or to do that. I think it's just something that coming from childhood growing up, and I don't know. You know, I don't know, you know, how, how, it, how everything reflects off one another, but um, my mother and father divorced when I was really, really young. And when it would come to playing like wiffle ball in the backyard or stuff like that, I didn't have a brother or sister. I didn't have a dad always to do things. So as I grew and matured and learned what I can and can't do in sports and what, you know, I was like, man, this would have been cool if I would have had this when I was little. As I continued on through my, my life, I always thought, man, if I can ever have an opportunity to help this kid or help that kid. Mm -hmm. I don't want that kid to miss out on something maybe I did um, or that I missed out on. And then, you know, now that I'm a parent and I coach and I travel around the country doing those things, I always try to do whatever I can. You know, if it takes five extra minutes to talk to this kid about this or talk to him about that, it's just, I think it all reflects back to being a kid and not having it. Yeah. So you talk about, you've played baseball pretty much all your life, right? As a kid? 38 years. Who was someone as you were growing up that influenced you to really be passionate about baseball? Did you have a mentor or someone that just really kind of took you under their wing? No, ma'am. Um, I didn't, when I was at, like right now, because of, you know, sports channels and the internet and all that, kids can find someone on TV mm-hmm. and idolize. Well, and when we were little, we didn't have the internet. I mean, right. And you, you come home in the afternoon, there was only a few channels on TV. So we spent our time outside. So I didn't have a, an, an idol or a coach or anything. I just, as just growing up, it was, it was, I'm not, you know, trying to pat myself on my back, but it was myself. I didn't mm-hmm. have a whole lot growing up, living on the wrong side of the track, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I wasn't good. I wasn't good at fishing. I wasn't good at working on cars. I wasn't good at music. But baseball is something that I gravitated towards, and I was pretty decent at it. So, I mean, that's, it was, I guess, just internally. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you were a catcher. When did you just, at what age did you say, that's the position that I want to play and decide to really put focus on it? Well, I didn't, I didn't intentionally put myself in that position as a child. I think I was seven or eight years old. Seven years old is when I started playing. And I remember that left field was at Stokes Field on the, the north side of town. Was, um, I was the first person, I played outfield, left field, and I would never pay attention. Mm-hmm. You know, no, I just, does any seven-year-old no, pay attention? No one ever pays attention. Well, <laughs> 15-year-old kids don't pay attention. But... Um, the uh, the coach said, you know, hey, Caleb's not paying attention. Like he's literally walking over to the fence, talking to people, or looking up in the, the <laughs> sky at awesome. airplanes flying over. <laughs> so they said we need to put him somewhere where he's always focusing. <clears throat> so at seven years old, I started catching, and then off and on, all the way through high school, and then that's when after high school is when it, you know, I w- went from there. But I didn't intentionally do it. The coach put me there just to keep me in the keep game. Keep you focused. Yes, ma'am. So where'd you, where'd you go to high school? Northwest. Northwest. I would have been. I would have went to Clarksville High School because of, on the side of town my mom and dad lived on. But when they split up, um, she had went to Northwest in the early seventies. Uh, so when you know they split up, she moved back in with her mom and dad, and I, you know, went yeah. with her. And that from that point on. 
So you you played baseball at Northwest, and then and then what? Where? Tell me a little bit about college and and how things progressed for you. Um, uh, I went from Northwest, and then I ended up having a pretty good uh, career at Northwest, and I signed with Austin P. Um, and went there for a very short time, uh, and this lot of it hinges on my um, off the field exploits. Uh, I wasn't probably the most mature young man. Uh, I let a lot of things off the field affect my academics. So. Um, Coach Gary McClure, old yep. coach at Austin P. After a couple months, um, he said, Caleb, you can't go here. You know, just you're academically, you know, not qualified to stay at Austin P. You're going to sit for a while. And, I, you know, I thought, man, I don't want to sit. So he sent me to a junior college up in Illinois. <clears throat> went to a junior college for a year up there. Then went back down to uh, Vol State in Gallatin, Tennessee for another year. And um, All the I, while playing baseball. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in 94, 95-ish, I went to Lincoln Memorial University for my junior year in college. It was a Division II school in East Tennessee and uh, played their year. And then during that time, those three years I was in college, I had probably 10 or 12 buddies that were all playing minor league baseball. And um, it kind of seemed like um, because wrong side of the tracks, taking things personal, not being mature, not handling things the right way, not having mentors, you know, lead me. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of staying for my senior in college, I decided to go and start playing minor league baseball because uh, I saw my other buddies passing me up and I didn't want to wait to, to possibly get drafted or not get drafted. So yep. I just went off and started playing minor league. So the cool part about that minor league experience is a little bit before your day was the Clarksville Coyotes. Well, I know about it because Caleb's told me about and they, it. And they played over at Austin P. Yes, sir. And so it's kind of kind of funny that you were at Austin P. Then you came back and played some minor league baseball there. Well, after well before – before I went to, to play for the Coyotes, and they're independent, and we can talk about that yeah. in a little bit. Uh, but I went, I was lucky enough to go because I was a catcher. Uh, and when you go to spring training, all the minor league teams, they invite every catcher in the world they can because catchers and pitchers, there's, there's a large majority of yeah. them when it comes to spring training. Uh, I got invited to go to um, Montreal Expos and the Boston Red Sox spring training for a few years just to catch bullpens, you know, get a couple of bats here and there. And then when spring training starts to, to, fizzle out and they go, you know, go to the other major league teams or minor league teams around the country is when they'll cut people. So I would get cut every spring. You know, they're not going to invest money in somebody like me. I'm not, you know, a commodity. Then you would go off and find other places. And at the time, after the second or third year, uh, I had someone up in this area say, hey, man, there's they're going to be starting an independent league in the Tennessee area. And I thought, man, you know, I have an opportunity to go to Wisconsin to play, but uh, I'll just stop off. So I stopped off a couple weeks here, kind of made some connections, and they were like, you know, there's going to be a tryout, and the Clarksville Coyotes, yep. they started off. So I would go in between. So the Coyotes would play a season. The season would end. The following year, I'd go back to Florida, spring training with some teams, catch bullpens, do that kind of thing. They would cut me. Then I'd go back, and, uh, I mean, I, would play, have, I did that for three and a half, four seasons. I'd go to Wisconsin and Canada and West Virginia and then, of course, Clarksville. Yeah, that's really that's really kind of cool. Just the experience. That was a lot of traveling, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yep. But I mean, like I told you earlier, you know, growing up a, a single or something, not single, but you know, only child, you know, divorced mom and dad, you kind of learn how to, you know, fend for yourself, yeah. and you don't have to, you know, worry about others. So you know, when you're off on a two week, three week, six month trip, I mean, you're just worrying about yeah. yourself. Do you still have any of your uh, Coyote gear, jersey, oh, yeah. and all oh, that yeah. stuff? I got, I got all at um, the uh, 
couple of the uh, the owners still live in Clarksville. Oh, really? Bib, Bib Lott and Fryer. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, Frank Lott was big into it. Yep. And, uh, yeah. um, he actually um, he painted a picture of the original uh, program, the first year program. Yeah. He, he's really good with oil paintings. Right. He painted a really really nice uh, painting of that, and we have it in our house hanging on the wall. He gave it to me. Oh, that's really cool. That's, yeah, that's real cool. And then Mr. Um, my father-in-law passed away a while back, and at the funeral, um, Mr. Bibb, Jeff Bibb, he um, he brought like a huge bag of like my old jacket and extra shirts and stuff with my name on it, gave it to my little boys. Mm -hmm. Old baseball card, so yeah. it was kind of cool for that. That is too cool. That is cool. Did you frame your jerseys and hang them? I frame a jersey and hang them? I did not. Because I don't, you know. Brandy uh, did. My my life's over with when it comes to baseball. I don't want to focus on them, but she did it. I didn't want to hang it up in the house because I don't want them having a look at dad stuff. But it's framed. It's it's back in the back of the house somewhere. Well, I think that it's okay because I think they should be proud. And it also inspires them to look at other things that they mm -hmm. can do, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. I agree. I mean, there's mm -hmm. there's some validity to that, but I, at the same time, though, I mean, they're around me so much, and I'm always doing something with coaching. And you know, if I'm talking to a dad and a kid, and my son's there, and the dad's coming to me to talk about something, I don't want the focus to be on me. I want my little yeah. boy to be in the conversation, or his little boy. I don't want to be talking about something that happened 20 years yeah. ago. Mm -hmm. That's just how I am. I don't know. So you do a lot of training with kids, little boys, for baseball. Yes, ma'am. Yep. So. Let's kind of talk through that for just a little bit, because every parent thinks their kid's going to play MLB, ba MLB, right? They're going to make it. So let's talk <laughs> about that. Just like when you, um, when, because I mean, like at seven, you talk about, okay, well, they don't focus. And then I, I don't even know when they start focusing. And then I know you've said to me before that you really don't know what a kid's going to do till after they get through that puberty face. Um, so what do you look for it when you're coaching someone in talent? What are some of the things you look for knowing that they still have some room to grow? Well, the, the, and we'll get back to the, we'll get back to the, to the young, young kids here in a second, but we, everybody looks at, you know, in the baseball community, 12 to 14 age group, that if a child who has any kind of athleticism, lateral quickness, hand-eye coordination, just straight line speed, whatever, uh, with, of course, with genetics factored in there. But if they can get to the 12 to 14 age group, then we can truly see what that young man is going to do. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say 12 to 14 is because when you're five and six and seven, T-ball, daddy ball, coach pitch, little league, all this, the, the fields are smaller, mm -hmm. the bases are smaller, the mound and home plate are shorter. So there's a lot of kids that uh, mature really quick, you know, right. little Bobby who looks like he's 15 years old when he's nine. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we see that. Right. And then everybody is, you know, not everybody, but that's when mommy and daddy think, man, this is the next Mike Trout. Yeah. This is the next right. Bryce Harper because he's nine. He hit a home, his first home yeah. run. And he's getting these awesome rings at these tournaments. And that's, that's great because it's inevitably, it's just about fun anyway. It shouldn't be about making it to the big leagues. And we understand when, you know, Miss So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so is getting on social media or they're wanting to come to these, <laughs> these workouts, you know, hey, I got the next Bryce Harper. Okay, you, you probably don't, but I get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but the 12 to 14 is, is when, when you get to 12 to 14, that's when a lot of the kids are, who, who've matured quickly are going to start plateauing, or the kids who have not are going to all of a sudden shoot up. But at the same time, that's also when they're going to transition from the little field to the big field. And when I say big field, that's the 60, 60 foot 60, base 90. pass, 90, yeah. or 60 foot pitch mm -hmm. amount, 90 foot base pass, further fences. Um, so those home runs that you were hitting two or three years ago that everyone thought was amazing, now you're, you're out. Yeah. And then mommy and daddy can come to a little bit of realization like, man, I thought he was something. Well, I told you to pump your brakes. 
you know, mm -hmm. a yeah. few years ago, you know, so, but the, um, and that's where, and we'll get it's into It's kind of like where the rubber meets the road. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, and I do some scouting still uh, with, with a couple of organizations, and I take a lot of the, uh, the scouting, like the, uh, the skills and stuff you're taught through the scouting world, uh, and of course that's high school, college kids, but you take some of those, those skills when you're going to look for certain, for certain elements of a, kids, a, a player's skill set, and you apply them to young kids. Um, you look at, you know, you'll see this little kid that I'm doing lessons with, and the mom and dad wants true answers. Well, you have to look at genetics. Right. You know, sometimes a mom and dad, they're the ones, they, they, they lay things out before, you know, when yep. they're babies. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have a baby, that's normally where things start. And if you have, normally, if you have a, a short mom and dad, normally the kid's going to be short. Mm -hmm. And he's not going to, of course, have the, the leverage and the height and length and all that when he gets older. So you have to factor that in. And when I'm working with a kid who's seven or eight, sometimes I'll tell the parent that. I'm like, listen, you're spending thousands of dollars on things when... In a few years, it's not going to, yeah. you know, pick up a banjo or something, start getting the band. <laughs> say, say, Dad, it's your fault. You didn't grow up. That's right. But then sometimes I've seen kids that are like a foot taller than their parents. But, yeah, but it's yeah. also the crystal ball. You, I That's mean, you right. never know. Yeah. I mean, there's the NBA drafts tonight. And I know the NBA is different than baseball, but mm -hmm. it's still all the same thing. When you draft these kids in whatever sport it is and you put all this money into them and all these things, all of this is hope. You Nobody know, knows. Yeah. For me, some of the things that, like you mentioned, that because I'm just a mom watching, and it's it's interesting because there's another mom that I become friends with, and when I'll say, hey, you know, now you got to protect the place, she'll look at me and go, really, mom? Like he didn't know. We kind of have this fun thing. <laughs> really, right. mom? Like he didn't know that because you know parents yell things that you're like they know those stuff. But you mentioned things like hand-eye coordination things. Those are things that me as a mom, I don't know to look for. All I know is, did my son make that play? Did he get a hit? You know. Yeah. I don't I don't know which kid has good hand eye I know which kid's fast, but I don't know about those detailed things that you can you can see as a coach. I mean there there are times like if um if I'm coaching high school at the you know at a certain time, um I will be contacted the day before, you know, by my supervisor and he'll say, Caleb, you know, he says, When you get done today, go to Vanderbilt or go to Lipscomb or go to MTSU and watch a kid. <clears throat> and depending on the kid and what position he is, sometimes I'll only be there for an inning. A lot of people think when these scouts, they come to these games, they sit there and watch for hours and hours and hours. Waiting for that big play. No, yeah. because with, with the advent of the Internet and YouTube and all these kind of these scouting agencies and stuff now, everybody knows who you know, you are. Uh, so now all it is is putting second, third, and fourth sets of eyes on a kid to kind of see, hey, you know, the, the, the coon kid. You know, we've heard about him for about a month. He's doing this, he's doing that, some good, some bad. Just go, go put a second set of eyes yeah. on Caleb. Let's see, those five home runs he hit last week, let's just see if, it's like, if that's legit. And I can go and watch him for, you know, an inning. Yeah. Two or three swings or whatever and say, you know, you know, text my supervisor, email him, take a video. Yeah. It is or it isn't. What are those things you're looking for in that one inning? A lot of it, it's, a lot of it, it's not on the field stuff. I'll sometimes will, will position myself somewhere far down the, the, the fence or something or up in the bleachers where I like to see how a child interacts with his other teammates. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids, mom and dad's work starts, they have put themselves on some kind of a pedestal sometimes where they think they're too good to be good teammates. So, yeah, you might hit the ball 400 feet, or, yeah, you might throw the ball 90 miles an hour. But when you go into the dugout and you set yourself off to the side and you don't want to be a good teammate, you don't want to interact with your coaches, you don't want to cheer for your teammates, I mean, that's, that's an element that you have to factor in yeah. with a kid. You know, if, if we're going to invest 
$500,000 mm -hmm. into the kid, if he's not going to get along with these other Dominicans and Puerto Ricans that's going to be on his team, mm -hmm. he's not going to handle I mean, If he yeah. can't handle it in Clarksville or Nashville, how's he going to handle it, you know, a thousand miles away with people he doesn't know? Yeah. Right. Uh, but so to answer your question, you look at a lot of things like that. But, I mean, just basic stuff. Um, if if um, a middle infielder, you know, you have to be quick laterally. If, you know, if, if you're a big kid who doesn't have a good body size or something like that and can't move left and right at the high school level, it's not going to happen in college. Mm -hmm. You know, just little things like that. I mean, you have to have just the basic natural fundamentals. It's not the, it's like I said, it's not about being able to hit the ball 400 feet or throw the ball 90 miles an hour because there's a lot of people who can do that. It's the little things that you can Total do consistently package. over and over and over and over yeah. and over. Because, I mean, not many people are going to throw the, ball, throw the ball 90 miles an hour every time or hit it 400 right. feet. It's the little things you do consistently. Yeah. And if you can't do the little things, we're not worried about the big things. You know, I, I watch, uh, you know, College World Series going on now, and you watch you watch Vanderbilt and Coach Corbin, who I'm, I'm sure I quit watching you may, know, so may know him or not. But he just watching <laughs> him, how he, how he handles his team and how his players play, it's, you can see a, a difference between their team and some other teams. Character plays a big role in that. Um, one of um, and I'm not trying to name drop or whatever, but uh, one of our assistant coaches at Rossview, coach uh, school that I help work at, he this this week um, he helps for the, for, for the past four or five years. He's helped with Vanderbilt's camps. Yeah. He helps run their mm -hmm. youth camps. And one of the things that Coach Britt, uh, Robbie Britt, one of the things that uh, Coach Britt always talks about is when he when coach Corbin goes and recruits of course he's going to look for the great athletes I mean you have to look yeah. at that number one but he looks at all the little things and he loves his players his players who can joke with them like mm -hmm. yeah the Sonny Gray he was a great pitcher yeah. plays in the big leagues uh, Sonny used to text send funny texts to coach Corbin just funny things to him and cut up with them and stuff like that yeah. and, and leave them little notes like you know little little mm -hmm. notes on his desk you know let's go get lunch or yeah. you know just silly things and that's it's key because when you're with these kids for 12 months it's right. you know, i mean it's like a family you know so you have to have that yeah. relationship and it's the little things like that it's not like i said it's not just hitting and throwing it's all those little things just basic relationships being able yeah. to to bond with people well, then there's somewhat, but when you have those relationships, there's somewhat becomes that fearful respect because you don't want that player doesn't want to disappoint that coach because of that relationship's there. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a father figure type deal. You mm -hmm. know, you don't want to yeah. let your dad down. Well, yep, yep. <laughs> and what's so funny, and and I've said this in other other podcasts, but the passion you can, I mean, just the look on Caleb's face when he's talking about baseball, you know, he's got a love for the game. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just obvious. Um, what so from you playing ball at seven years old until current day can you can you pick out a, a a time in your baseball career that you've been the most satisfied whether it's playing or coaching or is there anything that sticks out to you as well i mean when i was when i was playing at the very when i had a very lackluster minor league career very short very short time but um, there were there were a few times when, you know, I would get to play against certain guys that had made it to the big leagues. And I, you know, I hit a couple home runs off of some guys in the minor leagues. Yeah. That ended up making it to the big leagues. Or, you know, since I was a catcher, there would be a certain guy that I knew about and he would still not throw him out. So it's, it's just small little yeah. five, ten second moments. But it was kind of like, you know what, I was never really good enough to probably make it. But I did kind of keep up with him for yeah. a short, you yeah. know, here and there, that kind of deal. And you never know. Um, 
sometimes you just got to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. You just never know, you know, but that's, that's pretty cool to have those, those memories and saying, man, I took that guy deep. Mm -hmm. That'd just be fun. It'd be, yeah. it'd be good. Yep. So I think I know the answer to this, and this might get a little controversial, but I know Caleb has no issue with that. So let's talk about parents for just a minute, mm -hmm. because <laughs> what are some of your, like coaching kids, I mean, I don't know if you know, but Caleb coached Aiden for about three years in travel I, ball. Okay. So, and you can, you can poke fun at me too, I don't care, like as... It'll, it'll be a... As parents, like what are some of the things, like I think sometimes parents can hold kids back. So let's talk about that because as a coach, you want to be able to coach. You don't need 12 other coaches, correct? Correct. <laughs> so I tried to, um, when I quit playing baseball in 99, I moved back to Clarksville to become a fireman. So roughly from the very end of 1999 until current day, mm -hmm. I've been Clarksville fireman. But when I came back, as soon as I got back in late 99, early 2000, I have been involved to some capacity with baseball. Mm -hmm. Whether it's one-on-one -on -one lessons, travel ball, I've probably helped coach 20 to 30 different teams in the past 20 years in travel at different capacities. Coaching middle school, coaching high school, and the scouting. But to get to the parent thing, I try to, um, I always try to use the analogy of when you send your kid off to school in the morning, why don't you go with them? Mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't go with your little boy or girl, you don't get on the bus with them, or when you drop them off at school, you don't walk into the school and sit in class, is because you have enough faith and belief that the school system is going to push that kid and teach that kid and nurture that child the right way, correct? Right. Well, it should be that way in, in sports, not just baseball, but anything. When you, when you bring your child to a game of whatever sport it is, we should sit there, me being included because I'm a father, but when you get there, you should allow the XYZ coach or organization coach that, that child just like when you're sending your kid off to school. But we think... I guess uh, that because you have so much invested financially with equipment and mm -hmm. the lessons and all these different kind of things that I should also speak out and add more to this equation because me yelling is probably going to help the kid, the kid learn more. Me yelling is going to help that team win. Me yelling at little Bobby is going to make that coach coach better. And I think cutting that umbilical cord on the sports field should be just like it is in school. Um, but it doesn't, and I don't know why it is. Um, you guys know who John Grisham is? Yeah. John Grisham, he, um, he has, author? yes, mm -hmm. ma'am. He has a youth baseball organization. I think it's in Mississippi where there's, you know, there's 10 fields down there in Mississippi. Well, there's coaches, there's umpires, and there's roughly two to 300 kids in this league. Well, when you come to drop your kid off, you leave. The kids practice, the kids play games. It's not like, you know, you drop Aiden off at CHS mm -hmm. and you leave because you watch practice. But you're going to show up tomorrow for the game. You don't do any of that. You don't, jump, you don't come to practice. You don't come to the games. The kids learn and everything just like in the school um, environment. Oh, wow. And it, I'm not saying that's going to happen nationwide. More than likely, it's never going to happen. But in that small community, he has been able to take, make a certain model that I think it's benefiting those kids more than they'll ever know. They're probably learning more than they would normally learn. Yes, ma'am. They're not welcome to play, turn around, see if mom and Looking dad Looking over their shoulder, yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and of course, I mean, you don't see me all the time, but when I go to watch my kids play sometimes, um, because I'm always on the coaching side of the fence, when I go to watch my kids, sometimes I'll, I'll leave or I'll go hide or whatever because, and my kids, not others, my kids know, don't look up in the bleachers. 
Because mm-hmm. if, you if you're staring at me, when we get in the truck later on, I'm going to let you know what I think. Right. No, I think that's good. Because when a ball's coming at you or a coach is getting in your face, focus on that. Don't look at daddy because you know I love you regardless. Mm-hmm. I like that. Let's talk about travel ball because it's baseball. People have, you were talking about investing money in this stuff. I think that's something that parents have done and they've gotten to the point. I mean, remember, I can remember when I was younger, you know, you played football in the fall, you played baseball in the spring. Kids did multiple sports, but now these parents are really, and I don't know if it's good or bad. I really don't. You probably have more of an opinion than I do. Really honing in and putting so much money into one sport and it becomes year round. Yeah. I mean, I grew up that way. Uh, me and Charlie, I yeah. mean, he's a little bit older than me, but we grew up in that, in that world where, you know, in the, in the, winter, in the wintertime, you're playing basketball because you're right. inside. Or in the fall, it's football, soccer, basketball, whatever. I used to play three or four sports a year, depending on the season. Um, but there was a study done back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, that one of the reasons why a lot of kids, and I'll just focus on baseball because I don't know, you know, some of the other sports, but... Um, that a lot of reasons why some of these kids are focusing on baseball year-round, a lot of it is because, let's just say little Bobby ends up making it to the major leagues. The reason is is because he's competing against Latin kids that that's all they do year-round. Yeah. So there's kids down in Venezuela, okay, in Dominican that. Republic, in Puerto Rico. They don't do anything except play baseball. They don't get to play, you know, basketball in the fall. They don't have soccer leagues. They don't, they don't get to go home and play Fortnite. All they do is play baseball. So... Over the years, the community, the, the baseball community, has slowly started to adapt, maybe not intentionally, they started to adapt that mindset that if we, as a community, want to be the best in the world, well, we need to compete against the best in the world. Well, how do we do that? We have to play year-round. Mm-hmm. So, you know, years go by, years go by, and that's just, you know, then this, um, a kid who grew up doing that, well, now he's going to have a, a son, and, he's, you know, a successful dad, he's going to teach that child that. You know, you can play other sports, but you also need to be consistently hitting and throwing you around. So I think that has gradually got up into, you know, into uh, America and we've adopted that. And, you know, parents think that, you know, they, they need to play in the spring. They need to do summer ball in the summer and they need to play fall ball. They just need to keep doing that. So I think there's a lot of value in that because the more reps in anything you're going to get better at. Mm-hmm. But I also think that just overall is just being a child and living a life. I think you need to be to do other things too. You mm-hmm. don't just need to do just baseball. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can, you know, if you can hunt and you can fish and you can play other sports, do that. But don't forget baseball if that's truly what you want. And you know, sometimes I think mom and dads make that child pick too early. You know, I don't think a child should have to pick at eight years old or nine or ten or twelve. Hey, that's what I want to do. But it happens. And then that's when the pressure comes on of investing money and mm-hmm. and all these different things and equipment. And then the kids is like, you know, my dad just went and bought me a five hundred dollar bat. Now I have to hit more. Yeah. Or dad is taking me to these lessons. Man, I have to do more. So there's there's a dynamic there that there's some good to it and some bad. Or it's just the opposite. The parent are buying these bats because they want their kids to do more. And sometimes the kids don't care. The kid doesn't care. Yeah. Absolutely. The parent cares more than the kid. Yeah. Yeah. That happens too. So, yeah. so uh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, so if you had any advice, forget the parents. Like if there was for like my son, Aiden, any advice for a 12 to 14 year old that loves baseball, what would you say to them? Like, what do they need to do? If they love, if they love baseball, do exactly what you're doing right now. Just keep, do more of it. Just keep going. Just keep doing it. And no matter what. 
no matter what, no matter what mommy, daddy says, no matter what, whatever, you do not stop playing until they tell you that you can't anymore. And I'm talking about if you're playing for XYZ school and you don't make the team, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't make that team, play for another summer league team or something, you know, take off a few months, try out for a summer league team. But there's always, always, always a place to play. There's mm-hmm. always a place. Yeah. It's just a matter of how, matter of how bad that you want it. Um, and too many people, they think that just, you know, let's just say Clark from Montgomery County area, this is such, even though Clarksville is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, everybody thinks that this is the end-all, be-all of their life. It's not. Mm-hmm. But they think when they're 13, 14 years old or something, like, oh, my God, and my coach so-and-so said I can't, can't play anymore. It's not true. That's right. You can play as long as, as if you have it in your heart and your mom and dad, I mean, they've supported you this long. Mm-hmm. Let's just go find it. One thing I like about Caleb, he kind of tells it the way he sees it. And so I'm going to I'm going to shift gears just for a second, because we have talked about community stuff before in the past. So what not not just for sports now, but for anything, when you look at Clarksville, we're, we're doing a lot of things really good. Mm-hmm. What do you see that we need or could do better at? I know you've got an opinion. Well, I mean, aside from like infrastructure and all those different kind of yeah. things, I mean, we can go on, you know, we can go on and on about those kind of things. Um, but if you're just talking about just strictly like a youth sports standpoint, sure. <clears throat> I would say um, because of the geographics of where we're at, I mean, Tennessee, the, the you know, geographically, the way the state of Tennessee is, there's so many states that are connected to this state. Yeah. It, we're very blessed and have that ability. Well, also with the way that I-24 goes right down through our state, north to south, or whatever, or east to west, that um, we, have, we, have, we have the ability to have so many, touch so many people over a year's time. Mm-hmm. I mean, millions and millions of people travel around through the state and all these different kind of things. Um, I would say, um, because there's never gonna be a shortage of children. There's always gonna be kids popping up. And kids are always gonna wanna play soccer. Kids are always gonna wanna play baseball. They're always gonna play all these different kind of sports. And because I've from this community, I've seen how this community has continued to grow, but I've also seen how this community has fell off to the side when it comes to certain kind of things. I would think, and I know it's been in, in conversations over the years, that if there's some way somehow that the Clarksville, Montgomery County, not just Clarksville, not just the county, could somehow develop some kind of a major, major, major complex to, to provide an opportunity for kids to play. Um, that I think that it would help economically. And I think it would also help with just developing the kids more. Um, I travel all over the country every year. And, and I see, I mean, I'm, I see five to 10 to 15 great sports complexes all over the United States that have, I mean, I can't, can't tell you how many people that come in and out of them that makes money. For example, we were talking before we, we got on, my, we took my little boy to Cooperstown, New York last week. All right, and they play these tournaments. They have roughly 104 teams come in every week from around the country. 104 teams. Wow. They mm-hmm. make roughly $17 million. And there's not much else in Cooperstown. There's nothing. Well, other yeah. than the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, but they make $17 million in nine weeks. And then they shut down. Wow. $17 million in the town. I, I think it's less than 10,000 people in yeah. this community. Now, granted, they have the Baseball <clears throat> Hall of Fame. No one's going to be able to top that. But... You, there's no, I mean, there's no reason to say you have to make $17 million. What if you made $5 million? Yeah. But the reason I'm saying that is they have, they have provided 
a a a reason to come there. These tournaments and there's complex all over the United States that don't that are that are half the size of Clarksville that pump money in and out in and out. But it's because of these these tournaments that people people are not going to stop paying yeah. for their kids. Why can't Clarksville have something like that? Um, we we definitely have the space for it. We have the population for it. We have the people in this community that want it. We have the people in this community that can manage it. Why not do it? And you guys don't, you guys obviously, you know, have other things you're focused on, but I focus on those things on a daily basis, talking to people. And, you know, I've been since this is my 38th year that I've been involved in baseball to some capacity and it's not going to end. And I'm just seeing more and more people that are wanting it, but there's not a, you know, it's a supply and demand thing. Yeah. There's so many people, too, that drive through Clarksville on the way to Nashville for tournaments to play in fields that aren't really that nice. Subpar. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's five or six different sports complexes in Nashville. Now, granted, that I understand the people in the Middleton, Nashville, Murfreesboro, they're not going to want to come to Clarksville. I get that. They have their fields there. I understand that. But there's also a large population in Clarksville that are going there every Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Taking people from month. Kentucky driving through. Yep, absolutely. Um, so hypothetically, I mean, what I mean, what if we Clarksville Montgomery County had some kind of a major venue, uh, even better than what's there in in Murfreesboro, Nashville, a venue that could draw from Paducah, could draw from Evansville, could, could draw from Bowling Green, of course the Clarksville area, and then also start getting some people from Nashville. Yeah. Um, just. It might not happen, but the people in this community, the leaders, they're missing They're missing it. They're missing out on a very great opportunity because, like I said, there's never going to be a shortage of kids, and there's never going to be a shortage of mom and dads wanting to spend money. <laughs> on their kids. On their kids. Yeah. We talked mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. So why yeah. not let this community benefit? Um, you know, whether it be building minor league stadiums, we can talk about that, or whether it be building, I mean, I just don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand. Remember the Cal Ripken thing we went to? Mm-hmm. We've had, Kayla and I have had this conversation yeah. a lot. Yeah. Cal Ripken, um, famous baseball player, they built a all AstroTurf baseball complex in Pigeon Forge. Now, granted, we're not the Smoky Mountains and we don't have that, that, that allure to come there, but it's all AstroTurf. They play tournaments 10 months a year. 10 months a year, we, yeah. could, we could be having something happening here. Yeah. Well... I'm gonna start getting irritated again. No, I can about tell. He's well, yeah. sorry. Well, he's well, his head. well I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tone you down a little bit, and I, I want to say thank you for what you do with the kids, and 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 for being a fireman because that's that's not an easy job. And you know, we praise the military a lot, and mm-hmm. we praise fire and 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 police. But you know, all you first responders, we we appreciate because when we call, we need you. So thank you for being there for us. Well, I appreciate it, but it's. We're no different than anybody else. I mean, it's just all, it's just a big team. Yeah. Just a big team. We all have to have everybody to make it work. Yep. So whether it's us or you, I mean, we're all in this together. That's right. So. Well, I appreciate you investing in the kids because <clears throat> I, I think that, and this is one of the things I love about you, I think you're somewhat of a big kid yourself. So I think that you don't ever need to lose that jolly spirit because I think that's what draws the kids to you. So, but thank you. Thank you for coming and talking to us today about youth baseball. Well, I wish I could have um, probably got a little bit more passionate about it, but I don't want to be disrespectful to your show. Oh, oh you're good. She, yeah. You're good. You're fine. I appreciate it. Clarksville's Conversation. Subscribe now on your favorite podcasting app so you don't miss a single conversation.